there, Avid listeners. Thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So to, today, we are going to be discussing the Library of the Dead by T.L. Huchu. Um, I believe the author themselves are, um, they either have Zimbabwean ancestry or they are part Zimbabwe. I forgot. Um, but there is Zimbabwean magic in the story itself. And I will say this. I do think the author did a good job capturing that part of their culture for the storytelling. That being said, amongst other things, I wish there had been more of it. Um, Library of the Dead. I wanted to love this book. I really, really wanted to love this book. Um, unfortunately, the book fell flat in a lot of different ways for me. I love the sixth sense, right? So, the book takes place in a modern-day version of Edinburgh, um, and there's, you know, fantasy elements, you know, fantasy, magic, it exists within the realm. So, it is um, a contemporary fantasy, an urban fantasy, as um, some others call it. So, it had that going for it. You know, I was completely captivated by the premise. Ropa, she has to. She's a ghost talker. Um, a mother contacts her and says, my son is not here. He's missing. He's not dead, but I can't find him in the realm of the living, so I need you to help me. And at first, Ropa kind of refuses because she's like, can you pay me? Because she's a ghost talker. So that's her profession. She dropped out of school um, to work as a ghost talker. She receives messages from the dead, gives them to the living. Not always good messages, um, but that's what she does, right? She finally gives in. You know, she talks to her grandmother, um, who knows Zimbabwean magic, and she's like, okay, fine, I'll do it, right? That sets her off on this adventure of mystery to try to find this missing kid, only to discover there are more missing kids, right? The book has been labeled, you know, by the publisher and bookstores, you know, similar to The Sixth Sense in a way. I love The Sixth Sense. I did not love this book. (laughs) The reason being is, uh, there are a lot of reasons, actually. Dropa herself, she's not as enigmatic as I would like her to be. She does fall flat in a lot of different ways for me, um, which I wish she hadn't because she is very cynical. She's very matter-of-fact. She's very down-to-earth. She's like, I don't want to get involved in this. 
And these are all characteristics that I tend to like in characters. I think it was just her tone. You know, her her narrative. And I think part of that is the author. They included so much exposition within her internal narrative as well as the outside narrative that I just started zoning out. I was like bored. I was bored and it really did dampen the pace for me because the beginning was okay. You know, I get it. You're world building. Fine. I love world building. I can get around that. But then it doesn't stop. Um, And I say that because as she continues talking to other people, she talks about the other professions outside of um, ghost talkers. And oh my God, those names were so overly technical. And then the description, like every single job she names has a very technical name. Um, It was imaginative. Sure, it was creative, but it was, they were long they were technical and then following that with a very long exposition about what the profession does and how it differs from hers I just didn't need that information I don't think it lent anything to the story it was like filler for me and the author does this I think three times in the story if I remember correctly and I was just like I don't care I'm sorry I don't um I wanted to be involved in the mystery. And then there's also the magic. She's slowly trying to learn magic. And there's hardly any magic in the story. Like you get bursts of it near the end. And you're like, finally, she can start a fire. She spends half the book trying to learn how to cast fire. And again, it's very technical um, when it comes to the magic. And I guess that does reflect her character. Because Robot herself is a very technical character. Um, her grandmother's been trying to teach her magic. It's like all about feeling. And then she finds the book that's more technical. And then finally when she follows that book. The instructions for casting magic. She can cast magic. It just takes her the entire book. Now the book she gets is in the Library of the Dead. Ah, the title. You want to know how many times we see the actual Library of the Dead? three times. There's very little mention of the Library of the Dead. It's a library. It's a secret library that exists for magic users. And that's it. She uses the resources there once, maybe twice. She uses, she calls them up to be like, hey, I found all the missing kids. I need your help to get them to safety. And, um, It was just, I wanted more. You know, I wanted more magic. Uh, She spends the whole damn book trying to learn how to just cast one spell. And I wanted more fantasy. I wanted more of the magic, you know. She wants to learn magic. She spends the entire book trying to learn magic. You have a grandmother who knows Zimbabwean magic. And I wanted more of that, you know, that diversity. I wanted more of that culture to be in the actual storytelling. And it's kind of just washed away almost in my perspective. Because I didn't feel like 
it was enough. To me, it wasn't enough. It's sparse. It's hardly there. I think it would have added more to the story since she does spend most of the story trying to learn magic, especially when it comes to the Library of the Dead, um, which is a library for magic users. And I think that would have been better than the author going on expeditions about other paranormal positions that differ from her own. I don't even remember half of their names because they were so long. I was just like, I did tone them out. Whenever she got to know them, I'm like, oh my god. I can't listen to this again. That was me. And then, again, the pacing. That all affects the pacing of the story. Considering how high the stakes were rising in the story. You know, you have that sense of rising tension. Except the pacing didn't match it. There was a point now, there was a several points in this story. I'm like, okay, we're getting somewhere now, right? The book's going to resolve itself now, right? Nope. Nope. More reading. And for a book that wasn't very long, I think it's only 336 pages. Like, to me, that's not long. That's, that's half an inch. Or, an, you know, three quarters of an inch spine, right? That's not long to me at all. It felt like it was so much longer. That's how slow the pacing was to me. I keep thinking like, no, I still have that much left. I'm like, oh my God, what more is the story going to do? Again, lots of exposition, lots of technical writing. It just felt like a lot of filler. And I, I was disappointed. If you couldn't tell, I was terribly disappointed by the story in that respect. Um, Because when I keep saying to myself, I don't think that's ever a good sign where I'm just like, are we done yet? Are we almost done? To me, that's never a good sign because I just want it to be over. And I don't think we ever want to read something or watch something and be like can we go yet? Is it done yet? Are we there yet? I don't think any of us ever want to be in that mindset when we're trying to enjoy something. But that's where I was. That's what happened. And uh, I really wanted to love this book. I really did. Um, But I just could not get into it. Um, I tried. I mean, I finished the book. I read it from beginning to end. But God, it bored the crap out of me. And I wanted so much more of it. And I wanted more of the library. I wanted more of the magic. I wanted more character development. Because I also feel like Kuropa herself didn't grow as much as you would hope her to grow. Like, yeah, she's begins as kind of self-serving. But you see the softer side of herself because she cares for her family. And... She wants to save all these children, right? And I'm just like, "Mm, I'm not seeing it personality-wise. I'm not seeing your character growth. I'm not seeing your development. I'm sorry. And that's the part of the story that kind of sucked for me. That's what I did not like. But, you know, other than that, the story was... I mean, I guess it was okay. Uh, I never want to say don't read a book because my 
feelings of it. I'm not going to be the same as yours. There are a ton of people online who love the book. So after listening to this, I would encourage you to go online and read some positive reviews to see what people did like about it. And then make a decision yourself if you want to read it. If you're really on the fence, please check the book out from your local library. Um, It's free. It costs nothing. Libraries are a great resource. If you do end up deciding you want to buy it, all I ask is that you purchase the book from your local bookseller or online book retailer. Um, That's a great resource. Not a resource. It's the best way to support the author because Amazon sells it at a cheaper price, but that ends up limiting how much profit the actual author gets. Because remember, the publisher, the marketing team, they all get the bulk of the sale. And then the author themselves gets probably 10 to 20%, depending on their agreement. So the best way you can support the author is by purchasing the book from a local bookstore, online book retailer. You've got independent bookstores. You've got Barnes Noble, Books a Million, Bookshop.org, Better World Books, Book Depository. There are so many other resources out there outside of Amazon. And on that note, I hope you all continue to support me here by liking this podcast, subscribing to it, and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and as always, happy reading. Mm